Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. We're so glad that you are here. Today is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it together. A couple of announcements to share with you as we begin our service this morning. If you could open your bulletin with me uh, to follow along. First of all, we would uh, like to remind you that our annual church picnic is coming up. There's a sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall, and we encourage you to uh, sign up as soon as possible. It's a great time with great food, and uh, this, again, the sign-up sheet is in the fellowship hall. We are having our second annual back-to-school movie night. That is uh, taking place on August 11th. The movie's going to start at 9 p.m. We're going to have a free uh, gift for every school-aged child, um, and so... With that gift, we, we need your help as far as donations go with spiral-bound notebooks, pencils, erasers, and glue sticks. Now, this is different from the back-to-school yard sale happening at Valley's ECC. So if you're in the coat room in the fellowship hall, you'll see two different places to put them, um, and, and you'll see where to, where to go from there. Uh, let's see here. We would like to extend our sympathies to Trudy Payton upon the passing of her father, Bill Gowdy. Uh, let's open our service of prayer this morning. Gracious Father, we are so thankful for who you are, for your love for us. Lord, we ask that you would move in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We have one final announcement this morning, and we would like to thank all of the volunteers who helped at VBS this past week. It was a great week. It really was. I think of, of the years that I've been here, um, this was probably my favorite VBS that's happened so far. Um, it was just a lot of fun. It was neat to see all of the different kids and the way that they were responding to the different Bible stories, how they knew what each story was. It was great to, it was great to, uh, to, to see how much money came in that the kids raised. Um, the, the goal was that if they raised $250, that Sarah English would get a pie in the face. <laughs> if they got to, and Hunter, and Hunter Zimmerman, it was for $250. If we got to $500, um, Pastor Bob and myself would get a pie in the face, and Sarah and Hunter were forgiven. Um, <laughs> if we got to $550, there were two pies in the face, and then Jim Marco would shave his head. And uh, so if you have a chance to see Jim this morning, <laughs> you might not recognize him. Uh, I think, yeah, you should stand up, Jim. Can you stand up real quick? <laughs> Again, it was, it was an awesome week. It really was. Uh, we want to especially thank Sarah English for all of the work and time that she put in. She's not here this morning, but um, if you see her, it'd be great to just say thank you to her. Um, if you were involved in VBS in any way, if you were a volunteer, if you donated items, would you stand up, please, so that we can thank you this morning as well? All right, now we have a short video that we're going to show that kind of recaps a little bit of the week, and then Leonard's going to come and lead us in a couple hymns. Surprised, and you'll be wide eyed. It's gonna light up like a firework 
Okay, I invite you to take your hymn book now and turn with me to hymn number two. Hymn number two, Almighty Father, Strong to Save.
hymn number 11. Hymn number 11, <clears throat> A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
There's a hope for all who've gone astray There's a road for all who've lost their way There's a light that leads us back to grace Forever shining, it never fades There's revival stirring in my heart Since your love unlocked these prison bars I'm a slave no longer to the dark Forever changed, forever yours Oh Jesus, you're my liberty From the grave that once held me I'm running to you wild and free My liberty, my liberty There's a mercy flowing through my veins With every heartbeat I can feel your grace It's freedom I cannot explain Forever changed, forever yours Oh Jesus, you're my liberty from the grave that once held me I'm running to you wild and free My liberty, my 
liberty Oh, and I will sing and I will shout Your name on high from mountain tops The valleys underneath my feet Will know that you are Lord Jesus, you're my liberty from the grave that once held me i'm running to you wild and free my liberty my liberty oh jesus you're my liberty from the grave that once held me i'm running to you wild and free my liberty, my liberty, my liberty, my liberty, oh Jesus, you're my liberty. Thank you, John and Amanda. I have a thank you note I'd like to read from the um, Brian, Nolt, uh, Marvin and Elsie Headings, and Ozenbach family. It says this, a big thank you to all who have sent flowers, cards, and words of encouragement and sympathy during our difficult times. Thank you for the meals during my recovery with sh shoulder surgery. The word of life truly does display a great family concern when a member is hurting. They embraced us when we needed it most. Thank you, Brian, Marvin, Elsie, and Ozenbach. So uh, we certainly want to continue to pray for them. Oh, over here it says, we have the assurance of Isaiah 41.10 that God is our support. So uh, continue to pray uh, for this family as well as um, Trudy. Um, Pastor Brian mentioned this morning her father, Bill Gowdy, had passed away uh, this past week. So let's come before God now and uh, ask God to be who he said he would be, that is a God of all comfort. Father, we thank you that you are our God, that you, Lord, are a wonderful, comforting, peace-giving, kind, and considerate God. Father, we know that you care for us so much, and you have instructed us to cast our cares upon you. Father, when it comes to death, it's a time of need. And so we do ask that, Lord, you might comfort uh, the Nolt family, the Headings, the Ozenbachs. Father, we pray that, Father, they might find you to be a God of wonderful peace. And for Trudy, Lord, this morning, her uh, daughter, Nicole, uh, in the passing of Bill Gowdy, we ask as well, Lord, that you might be there for them during this time of need. Uh, we're thankful that we can call upon your name and find grace to help. Father, we thank you for the week we've just come through. We've come through a week of Bible school, a week in which boys and girls came. Lord, they heard your word. Uh, they sang songs. Seeds were planted. 
Father, we pray that as the gospel went forth and as, Father, they heard the word of God, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by that word. And we pray that there might have been those who have stepped into the family of God through this week. We thank you, Lord, for those who already know you, and we pray that growth took place as they drew closer to you. Father, we thank you for the many leaders and Sarah, Lord, who sets all of this up. Lord, it's time-consuming. It involves a lot of work, a lot of labor. So I pray that you might reward those who have helped. We are thankful, Lord, too, for the wonderful plan of salvation which you have created. We thank you for salvation found in Jesus Christ alone. We thank you, Father, that it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Now, Father, for the time that you've given us this morning, we're grateful. It's always good, Lord, to be able to come apart from the world and be able to come and be surrounded by your family. I thank you, Father, for this church. I thank you, Father, that we are a church, that when someone hurts, when someone's in deep pain, that, Father, we respond. Father, that is the church. We are called upon to carry the burdens of one another, to love one another, to be there for one another. I pray, Lord, that you might continue to help us to have a deep love for the family of God. So use the time you've given us to draw us closer to yourself. Remove the distractions. Father, we often come to services such as these with a lot on our minds, heavy hearts. But my prayer this morning is that, Lord, you would help us to have open minds and open hearts to receive the good word of God. Thank you for music. Draw us now into your presence in an emotional way through the sound of music, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand with us. I'm going to continue to sing to the Lord this morning. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. Even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near. I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I
crazy light that is coming for the heart that holds on. A glorious light beyond all compare. There will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, we'll live to know you here on the earth. And I will
church we sing together.
Father, give Pastor Bob the words that you want him to speak. Let us hear truth this morning, the truth that we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What does the Bible mean when it says that we are to live by faith and not by sight. We've heard that before. Uh, we know that it's a quote from the Word of God, but what does that really mean? That we as the children of God's, that we are to live by faith and not by sight. You know, context is always important when it comes to interpreting the Word of God. And I find myself reading that verse at funerals because it's found in the context of death. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says he's confident. He loves that word confidence. And Paul says he's confident that to be absent from the body is to be in the very presence of God. To be in this body is to be away from the Lord. And smack dab right in the middle of this passage on death, we read, live by faith and not by sight. And my words to those who were there at that funeral are these. What you see is a body. But we need to remember that man is made of body and spirit. Jesus is able to say, though I am the resurrection and the life, and though one dies, he will continue to live. Live and death in the same sentence. But if we are made up of physical and spiritual, we can say that it's the body that dies, but the spirit lives on. 
And so Jesus can say, though one dies, he still lives. Not the body, that's what we see. We see the body. But it's the spirit that lives on. And Paul says that there is the reality of the earthly world, but there's also the reality of a heavenly world. That there is an unseen world. We live in the light of eternal things. We're to live by faith. Our focus ought not be just on what we see, but on what we can't see. Now, we can try and describe what it means to live by faith and not by sight, but this morning I want to try to give you an example of a man who lived that way. His name is Caleb. He's found back in the book of Joshua. And Caleb was a man of great courage and great faith. Uh, the problem with Caleb was that he was overshadowed by the man, uh, by the book's name, and that is Joshua. You know, we say so much and speak so much about Joshua and his courage and his faith that Caleb sometimes gets pushed aside. And that's okay because Joshua was the leader of Israel. But his good buddy was Caleb. They were friends of many, many, many years. And it says of Caleb that he was a wholehearted follower of the Lord. That he followed God with all his heart and soul and mind. He was a man of unshakable faith in an unseen God. He had unshakable faith in an unseen God. And he said to Joshua one day, after 40 years of wandering in the desert, after another five years of, of, of wars and battles in the land of Canaan, he comes to his good buddy Joshua and says, Joshua, I was given a promise 45 years earlier, and I am claiming it today. Give me this mountain. Give me this hill country of Hebron. It was a promise that God made to him 45 years earlier. He wants his inheritance. He craves a blessing from God. When we come to Joshua chapter 14, we discover that the Israelites, they now have entered into the promised land. Joshua was their leader, and Joshua was given a commission, a commission to conquer the land, a commission to move among the enemy nations and destroy. But not only was his commission to conquer, he was given a commission by God to divide, that is to distribute the land. And when we come to Joshua chapter 14, we come now to a brand new section. The section in which Joshua now is going to divide the land among the 12 tribes. Each gets a portion of the promised land. And that's what we find in Joshua chapter 14. A new section dealing 
with distribution. Follow with me, starting at verse 6 in chapter 14. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on the day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now, then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about the wilderness. So here I am today. 85 years old, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenesite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Caleb was a man who we read three times in this text. Followed God wholeheartedly. And he goes to his longtime friend Joshua after 45 years. And he says, give me this mountain. Give me Hebron as my inheritance. Caleb was a man, a great example of one who lived by faith and not by sight. So let's look at what that means as we look at the life of Caleb. First of all, he had trust in the unseen God. Caleb had trust in the unseen God. It was 45 years ago that Caleb was one of 12 spies in a place called Kadesh Barnea when Moses sent these 12 spies into the land of Canaan. And while in that land, they were to explore. They were to come back with a report what the people were like, what the land was like, what were the cities like. And they were to come back with a report and give it to Moses as Moses was to lead them into the promised land. 
But we know through disobedience, Moses was not allowed, neither was that generation. But they went into the land as spies to spy out this land, and they came back. And all 12 spies saw the exact same thing. They saw giants. They saw fortified cities. They saw a land that was flowing with milk and honey. But they came back with differing reports. They saw the same thing. But they came back saying different things. Ten of the spies came back and said, we saw the giants. But they feared the giants. So much so that they caused fear into the people's lives. In verse 8, we read these words. He says, uh, these ten that came back, my fellow Israelites, they caused the hearts of the people to melt in fear. Ten spies came back and caused the people to be afraid of the giants. Where Caleb, on the other hand, and Joshua come back with a different report. We read here in verse 7, Caleb says, I brought back a report according to my convictions. It wasn't just what he saw. He saw the giants. He saw the fortified cities. But he didn't come back in fear. You see, what the ten spies did was they saw the giants and they started to compare themselves with the giants and said, we look like these little dwarfs. We look like grasshoppers when we put ourselves up alongside of the giants. Caleb comes back and doesn't put himself up alongside the giants. He puts the giants up alongside of God. Caleb lived by faith. And Caleb came back with a report according to his convictions because Caleb knew God and knew that with God on their side, they should go. And while the others said stay, Caleb and Joshua said, let's go. He was a follower of God's, and he followed God wholeheartedly. I think we know what God thinks about those who are half-hearted. Back in Revelation chapter 3, we read about those who are lukewarm. And God says, I would rather have you be hot or cold than to be riding somewhere in the middle. Caleb was on fire. Caleb was hot. Caleb was a whole follower of God. And that's why he came back and said, we can go. We can go. The story is told of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a great evangelist back in the 1800s. And he went to one day to an open-air meeting, an evangelistic campaign. And while he was there, the, the, the pastor, the, the evangelist, said this. The world has yet to see what God can do with someone who is wholly committed to him. And D.L. Moody walked away and said, I want to be that man. Well, let me tell you, Caleb 
was that man. Caleb was one who lived by faith and not by sight. Some see obstacles and others see opportunities. Caleb was a man who saw the same giants, but he saw also and trusted in an unseen God. Oftentimes, it's a matter and an issue of perspective. There was a shoe company, and the shoe company here in the United States sent a, a, a representative, sales representative, over into a third world country. They wanted to set up a market over there. And the sales rep goes over to this third world country, and he looks, and no one's wearing shoes. It's a shoe company. He come, calls back and he says, no one's wearing shoes over here. Don't send any shoes. He goes back home. They send another sales rep. He goes into the same location, sees the same people. No one wearing shoes. He calls back, says, no one's wearing shoes. Send all the shoes you have. Perspective, right? They saw the very same giants. One says, stay. One says, go. What's the difference? Trust in an unseen God. Caleb didn't minimize the problem. He didn't minimize the problem. He saw the giants. But he magnified God. He magnified God. Living by faith is trusting in an unseen God. Caleb also clung to the promise. He clung to the promise. Three times in this text that I read, it speaks and makes reference to a promise that was made 45 years earlier. 45 years earlier. God made a promise to Caleb. The promise is found back in the book of Deuteronomy. Let me read what it says back there. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 35. It says this. Well, let me start at verse 34. It says, When the Lord heard what you said, he became angry and solemnly swore that no one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors. Not one. Not one of this generation 45 years ago, except Joshua and Caleb, are promised to see the land, the promised land. Every other one will die off as they wander in the desert for 40 years. God is angered at this evil generation, and he says, not one of you will see the good land, except, verse 36, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. God made this promise to Caleb 45 years earlier. And now he's clinging to that promise. He's holding on to this promise. The promise was made right after that spying trip. Right after they came back and gave that report to Moses, God made this promise. And Caleb, he never lost faith. Even after 40 years wandering, 40 years in the desert, he never gave up faith. 
He never forgot the promise. He knew God would come through. I read a verse in chapter 21 of Joshua and verse 45 several times already, but it says this, that not one of the promises that God made to Israel failed. Not one. Not one fell to the ground. Not one word that God gave to the Israelites failed. Living by faith means living according to the word of God. Caleb lived according to that word, that promise, that word from God 45 years earlier. It's, it's where our faith is anchored. It's anchored in the word of God. There's no other foundation for faith than the word of God. For faith comes where? By hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Living by faith means living by this word. Caleb heard God's word. He heard God's promise. It's what sustained him. It's what got Caleb through the tough and difficult times. It's what kept him going. He's 85 years of age at this point. And now he claims that promise. You know, God has given us promises. Many, many, many promises. I believe it's uh, Herbert Lockyer who wrote a book, All the Promises of God. I think there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Let me just mention a few of them. Suppose you're in a rough time. And you need the presence of God. In Isaiah chapter 43 we read, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Some of you are going through times of grief, times of suffering, and it's comfort that you need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 we read, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Maybe you need rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe it's forgiveness you need. You know, the greatest need of mankind today is the need to be forgiven of their sins. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. We've all fallen short of what God intends for us to be. The Bible says we're all sinners. There's no one good. There's no one righteous. We need our sins forgiven. And God said that it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can receive that forgiveness. John said in chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you worry? 
Do you become anxious at times? Maybe it's peace that you need. Paul writes in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you have a pressing need? Is there something that you need this morning? Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Are you discouraged? Disappointed? In Deuteronomy 31.8, it says this, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I spoke this morning in Sunday school about the why question. Why do things happen the way they do? In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, we don't always have the answers, by the way, to all of those questions when we say why. But this is what we do know. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The Bible is filled with the promises of God. Filled with the promises of God. God makes pledges to us. These are rock-solid commitments to us. And God is faithful, as he was with Israel, not one promise God made to Israel failed. And not one promise God made to you has ever failed. Caleb never gave up his faith. Despite all the wanderings in the wilderness, 40 years he never gave up hope. You know, if I'd have been Caleb, I would have been blaming those other spies. I'd have been blaming that evil generation. But Caleb never blamed them for his suffering we don't read that he ever became angry or bitter over his comrades unbelief oftentimes we go through life we we blame others we feel bitter we get angry over troubles one thing i know is this it's that everything happens for good everything god has purpose so we need to remember the promises of God. Caleb never forgot. For 45 years, he clung to that promise, knowing that God was going to come through. And thirdly, to live by faith means to crave the blessings of God. To crave the blessings of God. In verse 12, Caleb says, Now, give me this hill country that the Lord had promised. And down near the end of verse 12, he speaks about the Lord helping him, and he says, I will drive out them out just as he said. Caleb is 85 years old. Remember, they're still at war with the Canaanites. It's not like this land of Hebron, this hill country, is going to be a, a, a gift 
handed on a silver platter. Caleb knows that he's got to fight for it. It was promised, but he's got to fight for it. Turn over to chapter 15 and verse 14. This is great. Listen, remember, this guy's 85 years old. And it says in chapter 15 and verse 14, from Hebron, Caleb, he drove out the three Anakites. He said back in chapter 14, I am as strong today as I was back then. Now, I think he was lying, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I just know that I, none of us would be able to say that who are 60s or 70s and 80s and a few 90s. I don't think any of us would be able to say, you know, I am today what I was 45 years ago. No, I'm not suggesting Caleb is lying. He's not lying. God gave him strength to be able to do what he did. But to be able to say that, and then to be able to go to war and drive out these three Anakites, what a man Caleb was. He never lost that fighting spirit. He wanted that inheritance. He wanted that blessing. And he would stop at nothing. It was promised, but he had to fight for it. He never lost that fighting spirit. You know, he could have lived the rest of his life in comfort and ease, but not Caleb. No retirement for this man. He is going to finish well. He is going to fight the good fight and win that prize. In Joshua, in verse 13, it says he blessed Caleb. He blessed him by giving him the very land that God had promised. You know, I'm sure there must have been times, although not recorded for us, that Caleb became weary. But he lived by faith. And he didn't live by sight. His strength came as the Lord was helping him. He was a man who trusted an unseen God. He really believed that God was on his side. Caleb was a man who always remembered what, what Yahweh had done for him. As he looked back over his life, he, he knew it was God who kept him alive. It says that in the text. I knew it was God who kept me alive to this age of 85. And he always kept his eyes on the Lord rather than the terrifying things around him. He lived by faith and not by sight. Over in the book of Hebrews, you don't have to turn there, you know uh, what's recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, it's that great chapter that includes the stories of men and women who live by faith. Men and women who live by faith and not by sight. But what's interesting is, is that if you turn from Hebrews 11 to Hebrews chapter 12, what the author does is he seems to be applying their examples to us. 
Here's a man who lived by faith and not by sight. Here's a woman who lived by faith and not by sight. And then we come to chapter 12. And the author says, now, let me apply this to you. And we read in chapter 12 and verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. You see, these Old Testament examples were men and women who saw God. They saw the unseen God. They had their eyes fixed on God alone. That's why they could do the things they did. That's why they were strong. And the author says for, to us, we need to keep our eyes on the unseen God. Fix our eyes on Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to sing our closing hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I want you to listen carefully. You know, sometimes we sing hymns and uh, we kind of just go through the words and we don't really concentrate on what is being said. But fix your eyes and listen carefully. It says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? What do you do when you're weary and you're troubled? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for these Old Testament examples such as Caleb who remind us of this wonderful truth that we are to look to the unseen God, that we, Lord, are to fix our eyes upon him and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Father, we're not to live by sight, and yet that seems to be what we often do. We look around us at the troubles and the circumstances and the situations when we're to fix our eyes upon you we're not minimizing the problems lord they're very real but when we look into your eyes and we look how big you are boy does that strengthen our faith we thank you for this wonderful time this morning in jesus name amen hymn 252 hymn number 252 O soul are you weary and troubled? Let's stand together. We'll sing this and we'll be dismissed. <clears throat> Think about these words. Let's sing. Oh, so are you.
Father, what a challenge this is to stay focused on you. Father, to see you in every situation, every event, every problem. To know that, Lord, you are there with us and for us. Father, we thank you for your strength. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you will never leave us and never forsake us. Father, we may not know why, but all things work together for good. And that's a promise, Lord, we can cling to. In Jesus' name, amen.